0: So, uh, I have a friend who's a trauma surgeon in Chicago, which means that he sees uh, really challenging cases in the operating And one thing that he knows about me is that I get really squeamish on medical stuff. Like, even hearing things described makes me very uncomfortable. Like I told you before, I can't watch the House, the show House M.D. Because of the show, like I have to leave the room. Um, but he's also obnoxious, and so he seizes this and just tells me all kinds of stories from OR, and sometimes sends me pictures that, characterly do not violate HIPAA laws, but still give too much visual information from what's happening uh, under his skull. And uh, one time he was telling me a story, and I had burst from my mind all the details because that's really uncomfortable, it's medical, I don't like that stuff. All the details, but one thing that stood out to me because it felt like a metaphor, and I'm a preacher, so I'm always looking for metaphors. <laughs> And the, the thing that they, they told, told me, me was, was that somebody had come in for a, a trauma that had happened to their body, a, th- a thing had happened, and there they are uh, in the operating room, and they cut this person open to deal with the damage that was inflicted because of the trauma and, and to try to rescue this person. And when they cut the person open, they also found a tumor that had nothing to do with the trauma but that would have taken this person's life. And of course, uh, having found out, they did some work on the tumor while they had that person open, and they were able to jump into a medical intervention uh, for the cancer that would have been delayed a long time and perhaps wouldn't have happened in time had he not been opened up because of the trauma that happened to him. And I've been thinking about that a lot during COVID because I keep looking for a way of trying to honor the mess that's happening right now and at the same time call out some of the possibilities that are lurking in the mess that's happening right now, right? Right? And it feels a little bit like this trauma has just like, hit the whole world. It doesn't feel like it, it has. And we're living through layers and layers of personal and collective trauma. And I don't mean to minimize that or act like there's some silver lining that makes it all okay. And yet, like, have you noticed that in some ways we're cracked open right now? Have you felt that at all, maybe um, personally, maybe collectively? It's like we have a chance to see what's within us individually and as a society right now, and perhaps while we're cracked open from all this trauma that's happening to address some of the other things that we find when we get in there. And uh, today and for the next uh, several weeks, we thought um, we would try to seize the moment and consider the fact that perhaps we're a little open right now and, and wonder if God wants to work with us, um, not that like... God causes these hard things to happen so that he can do this good, but perhaps in spite of the hard things that are happening, God can do some good. And perhaps the great good that God wants to do is to, to grow us up a little bit, to heal some of the broken places inside and do some, some deep transformative work. And so starting tonight and for the next few weeks, we wanna turn return to something that we've done before as a church, And that's to simply listen to the scriptures for some of the questions that God asks us in the scriptures and see what kind of work these questions will do on us. And we want to, in the next few weeks, mix together uh, some questions that have been with our community from the beginning, alongside some new questions, some fresh questions that might stir us up and lead us in uh, some sort of transformative direction. And uh, tonight, I'm going to start with one of those questions that's been formative for our community from the beginning, but I'm going to see if I can take us uh, into some new ground with it. Now, before I do that, I also uh, wanna remind you, if you've been around for a little bit, that these questions don't just live in the sermons that we preach or in the gatherings that we have, uh, whether it's in 112 or right here at Foreman's Field. Uh, These questions also live in another uh, dedicated space in our life together as a community, and we call it Tables. And even with COVID going on, uh, we think that we've got some ways for Tables to happen, and we'd like to launch some new ones this fall. So uh, I'm going to commence the infomercial on Tables for the next two minutes and 20 seconds, and then we'll get on with the rest of the sermon, okay? Uh, I'm curious, uh, who here has ever been a part of an SBCC table? Yeah, it's a lot of hands here, that's great. Uh, So a lot of you will know what I'm talking about, but in case you don't, uh, we've organized our life together as a church around three big movements. Gatherings, uh, which you're in right now. Uh, Streets, which is the ways that we meet our neighbors on common ground for the common good. And then tables, which is quite literally a group of people that you will uh, share a table with for a season, and you'll gather with them roughly twice a month for a shared meal and some conversation. Now tables are not a place where we sneak in a curriculum We don't like have some kind of covert Bible study that we try to like fold in there. Uh, We do Bible study. We do it in our gatherings and in other spaces, but tables are specifically a a meal shared with people who commit to some of the same practices of honoring each other at the table. And really, uh, then we just come around some questions that help us open up our lives to one another at whatever pace you would like to open up your life. So it's not that these questions are meant to interrogate you with your new friends that you just met at a new table, but they're meant to, to create a sacred space where it's okay for you to share a little bit of who you are and where you are and where you're going. And perhaps um, like something really beautiful could happen from the sacred space around a table. And uh, especially for a a church like this where you might show up at a gathering and leave a gathering and not forge a deep sense of connection with other people because that's just kind of how this goes, right? I mean, it's a big group of people and it's not necessarily the best place to forge a deep sense of connection. Tables are a great place for that. So uh, we're getting ready to launch new tables. in the same way that with gatherings, you're trying to be really smart with COVID, same thing with tables. And so uh, you'll see table hosts thinking of ways to perhaps meet outdoors on patios during the warmer months, and then transition to ways of digital belonging and connection when it gets colder. And if COVID keeps raging, it may not be okay to be like together in homes at that point. But we don't want to give up on this deeper sense of belonging that we can have with one another. So uh, if you want to check out tables, either as a host or a participant, just go to southpenscitychurch.com slash tables, and you'll see there's a forum there. It's really brief. It's like name, email, and are you interested in hosting or attending? And then we'll kind of gather that information and let you know next steps. But we would love to get some new tables going, especially because, and I keep saying this, and it feels like Game of Thrones, very ominous, winter is coming, right? (laughs) And we would like to forge some fresh opportunity for belonging with one another before uh, whatever the winter looks like, gets here, you know? And uh, we, we know that we need each other. And what we discovered in the spring, like in March and April and May, is that tables were one of the best things happening at South City Church during COVID because it was a primary place of belonging and looking out for each other and connection. And we want to set ourselves up for more of that going into the fall. Sound good? Yeah, okay, cool. All right, now, uh, let me get into uh, the first question that we often ask at tables, actually. And if you've heard this before, I promise we got a little bit of new content on it. Uh, but sometimes the best preaching is just a reminder to the practices that we want to live out when we go back to the day-to-day, right? So let me take you uh, to the story in Genesis 3 that we come to often as a church community because of all the ways that it talks to us about our own experience. Uh, if you know Genesis 3, if you know the beginning of the story of the Bible, you know that God creates Adam and Eve. And places them in a garden. And in that garden, uh, they're naked and they feel no shame. And then uh, they have this one instruction, which is basically enjoy everything except for this one tree and its fruit. Uh, but they're sort of duped into eating the fruit of that one tree. And then there's a quick turn in the story, which is that Adam and Eve discover that they are naked and they're afraid. And then they forge um, some kind of improvised coverings for their vulnerable places. And, uh, and then we turn uh, to the text that I want to actually read for you in Genesis 3, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Well, let's just... Uh, sort of work out that text for a moment here and see if it has anything for us, uh, especially during um, the life that we're working our way through right now. So Adam and Eve uh, are placed in the garden. They're naked. They feel no shame. And why should they? Because in this story, everything God creates is unassailably good and blessed, including their bodies and their lives and their experience. So there shouldn't be any need to cover anything up, right? But then this other thing happens, and we could spend weeks and weeks meditating on what what that might mean, that they eat the fruit of this tree and then they find themselves ashamed. But what we know in like a cursory reading is that all of a sudden they look upon themselves, their exposed selves. They look upon the most vulnerable parts of themselves and instead of feeling fine, they feel shame and they want to cover up. They're afraid. And I read that and I think about um, this being a story not just of like maybe something that happened in the past, but uh, in the Hebrew, Adam means something like human, which makes it seem like this story is begging us to see all of ourselves in it. And I think about all the friends and all the people I love and all the moments in my life where I've discovered that we have learned over and over again to hide. Like, did anything ever teach you to hide? Did you have any experiences that taught you to hide? Were there any people that taught you to hide? Were there any environments that told you better to cover yourself up and hide than to to show yourself, to be who you are, to tell your whole story, to own your whole self? Like, Can you think of a few moments in your life where you were taught to hide Can you think of the fear that came with that experience, the layers of shame that came with that experience? Uh, One of the reasons I trust the scriptures is because, like, I don't need, uh, like, archaeology to verify the deep truths of some of these stories because I've been there, and you have too. So many of us have uh, have been taught and have taught others in so many ways how to hide and how to be afraid and how to cover up the most vulnerable parts of ourselves. And Adam and Eve find themselves doing that, especially when they hear God coming their way. They hear God coming their way and they wanna cover up and they're afraid and they hide. And then God has this simple question for them. And it's the sacred question that we turn to often in our community. It's just this, where are you? And I I know if you've been around for a bit, you've heard us ask this question before, but I think during COVID, during everything going on right now, it'd be great to come back to this question. This is a question meant to call us out from hiding, um, to stand in the center of our lives and our experiences and to own the whole thing and say, Here I am, like this is me, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, God asks us, I think, over and over again, like, where are you? Would you please come out from hiding so we could have an encounter here, right? Now, um, this question, where are you, uh, it can take you to a lot of different places in your mind or your imagination. Sometimes when I hear the question asked of myself, uh, I imagine like a landscape. Am I on a mountaintop or am I in a dark valley? Uh, Am I lost or do I feel found? Do I have my bearings or am I completely disoriented in the life that I am living through? And depending on the day you ask me, where are you, I'm going to have different answers to those questions, right? Uh, I found that this uh, question can draw me into um, some brutal confrontations with myself. It can uh, cause me to get in touch with parts of myself or my experience that I'm not even aware of. Sometimes this question actually takes me to a kind of bodily awareness because I live all day sort of detached from my body. My body's telling me things, but I don't hear it. I don't pay attention to what it's saying. I live too much in my brain or I live too much in the future or I live too much in the past or I live too much in the things that people are projecting in me. And this question like brings me back to my body. And often, what I find this question doing is calling me into something uh, like prayer. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, COVID has included the words um, angry, afraid, anxious, concerned, confused, frustrated, uh, lost, um, peaceful, restful, exhausted. Um, it's had all these experiences sort of wrapped up inside me, and as I've tried to like find peace in the middle of all those feelings, I've tried to turn to prayer and I've found on a lot of days during COVID, prayer has been really hard for me. Like I want my I want to turn toward it because it seems like a, um, a beautiful thing to do in prayer to like seek the presence of God and all these experiences. And yet it's been really hard for me. And I found that I've had to like return to the practice of journaling and often the top of a blank page in my journal, it begins, where are you, Jay? And somehow beginning to own the, like the truth of, Where I am, all of me, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, like, helps me find myself to a place of prayer that I wasn't able to get to quickly or directly unless I first sat with this question for a little bit. And I think this uh, might be part of the gift of the question that God's asking us to own today. Like, where are you? Are you in the future right now trying to figure out how we're going to make it through the next however many months of COVID and economic uncertainty? And, um, and you're scared of that future or, or you're just not sure what that future's gonna look like. Are, so are you in the future right now? In a future that you can't fully like nail down or predict and yet the future's robbing you of the present moment? Are you in the past right now thinking about like, uh, maybe you had an arrangement in life that was pretty good before all this stuff hit. Um, maybe you had a job that you lost and you're in the past like wishing you could go back to that moment when the job was good and the money added up and you're not there anymore. Are you, um, uh, in something that you have lost, uh, your heart, your mind is present with the thing that you have lost and it's sort of obscuring the things that you have right now. I think it'd be really good to sit with this and let God just like simply ask, like, where are you? And like those bodies open on the operating room table, like we're already cracked open a little bit. So maybe God could do some work with us right now. Now, um, uh when I think about like God calling Adam and Eve in the story and asking them where they are, it can feel like a call out story, like a, like a, like a bit of a, a a bit of a, you're in trouble and I'm going to deal with you now kind of story. You know, it can feel like, um, it can feel like uh, me hiding when dad got home from a business trip and all the discipline that I had stored up while mom was having to parent me without him was about to come down on me. Like, it can feel like that. Like, I really want to hide right now. But I don't think that's the heart of this story. And I'm actually going to wrap this up briefly because it's hot out and I'm sweating. But um, I want to take you to one more hospital scene and um, tell you a moment recently when I heard this question asked. And the way that hearing it in that setting um, brought me in touch with the heart behind uh, the question and the one who asks it. So um, uh, in the last few months, I've uh, spent a fair amount of time in a hospital with uh, a couple, a husband and wife. The husband's the one who's hospitalized and the wife is there with him. And um, the secret about me going to hospital visits is I I go there to to be a pastor and to pray with people and to serve, but I also go there uh, because selfishly I've discovered that hospital rooms are a little bit like thin places. Um, where the most sacred and important things seem like a little more present with us in ways that are harder to stay in touch with when life is sort of going just fine. So I go there to do my job and to be a friend and to be a pastor because it's the right thing to do. But I also go there selfishly to just be in touch with the things that you're a little more in touch with in spaces like that. And so um, um, so I spent a lot of hours with this couple in the hospital and he, the one who's hospitalized, he's been kind of at the brink, sort of moving close to and back from the brink of death uh, here and there. And um, so there's been a lot of tender moments in the hospital. And um, not too long ago, I was there with them, and I asked if I could pray with them. And so um, I put my hand on his shoulder, and she didn't really have to move because the hours and hours that I have spent in that room with them, I don't think I've ever seen them not holding hands. So she was there continuing to hold his hand, and so I prayed, and we prayed for a while. And then when I opened my eyes, I, um, I looked at him, and he had a sort of distraught look on his face, which is not how you want the person you prayed for to look when you're done praying for them, right? Like when you're the pastor, you wanna just see like heavenly bliss come over their face when you're done praying for them, you know, like, boom, fixed it, right? Like, that's not what happened. Um, I actually saw sort of a distraught look, but even more than that, I saw a faraway look. And um, so we prayed and she and I, we opened our eyes and we looked over and we saw that distraught look on his face. And then I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, without flinching and without hesitating, I watched her move toward her husband and kind of get in his face tenderly, but kind of get in his face a little bit. And I heard her just ask him, where are you? Just that. Like, where are you in there? What, what just happened in your heart? Like, Where are you in there? And as I heard her ask him that and look in his face, it struck me that this is a question that love asks. This isn't like a call out question, like, gotcha. This is a question that love asks because love always wants to be present with the beloved and to have the beloved present with love. So this is a question that love asks and God is strangely walking through the garden wanting Adam and Eve to be present with God. And so God asks, where are you? Because love asks this kind of question. And of course, it's not that like I'm suggesting that you and I could ever find ourselves outside the presence of God. I don't really believe that you could find yourself outside the presence of God. And yet we can choose whether we will be present with the presence of God, right? Like like we can choose whether we live with a a conscious presence to the presence of God or not. And I think it's love, it's God asking like, hey, could we be present with one another in the moment that you are walking through right now? Because I love you. Because I want to walk with you. Because I don't want you to hide. Because I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to cover up any beautiful, vulnerable part of yourself. I don't want you to run away from yourself. I don't want you to run away from me. I want us to be in this together, like fully exposed, fully together. This is a question that love asks. And so if like anywhere in your spirit there's any version of, whether it's right now or or later, if there's any version of that whisper that says, Hey, you do you want to come out from hiding? Do you want to come out of the past that you are running from or the future that you're afraid of and just be here right now? Or do you want to like, like be all of who you are with me right now, Um, whether it's scattered or anxious or happy or joyful or peaceful or afraid, like whatever you are, wherever you are, whatever's happening right now, it's like love is saying, like, could we be in this together? And it's, uh, it's like the first thing that, that God asks humanity in the scriptures is this simple question that love asks, which is, where are you? because I want us to be together. Uh, I don't know, um, like I said, whether COVID's been hell or okay. I don't know if you're afraid of how you're going to make ends meet. I don't know if managing the family right now is just chaos, or if you guys kind of have a good new groove. Um, I just got a text yesterday from a friend who had a dream kind of wrecked by COVID, and I just thought, I... I really hate COVID. (laughs) I don't know what you're feeling or what's going on right now. And yet I'm deeply convinced that God um, can meet us in these disruptions with the voice of love and call us forward and call us out and actually help us be the kind of people who show up um, better and more bravely in the world right now. Uh, When he says, come out from hiding, I want all of you. I need all of you in the world because you're a gift to this world perhaps especially the things that you have hidden and the things that you are running from. These are gifts for the world, so come on. Let's uh, let's be all here. Um, I hope you'll sit with this question this week. Maybe you'll find some quiet spaces to just let it work on you. The question may may not bring up any obvious answers for you right away, that's okay. The best questions often lead to a long silence. And uh, sometimes very sacred work happens in those silences, but I hope you let God work on you with this question. And then maybe whether it's like a table, like a South Bend City Church table, or maybe it's just like you and the people you love and know who will find themselves together uh, on a patio or around a meal. And maybe you'll want to bring this question into the conversation because it turns out that none of us are very good at being different with one another than we are with God. So if we hide from one another, we tend to hide from God. If we love one another, we tend to love God. Um, We tend to be who we are wherever we are. And so... um, If the God thing feels like a a far stretch for you right now, maybe take this question to some people, some flesh and blood, friends, family, neighbors, and see if it works on you and the people who are there.